Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. You being in the podcasting game so long, like, are there any like favorite tips or advice that you have for podcasters or aspiring podcasters to maybe help it be a little bit easier? Making it easier also means knowing kind of what you want to do. Mm. So uh, don't start a podcast without knowing what you want to do and like figure out, like do some research, listen. And uh, the two things like what do I want to do that's not already being done and what am I really passionate about when you kind of find that Venn diagram where you know it kind of uh, um, overlaps then that's a good time to start your podcast hot breath what's goody hot breath of ours hello welcome back to hot breath the show where you learn comedy from the pros I am your host comedian Joel Byers and our mission here is to cultivate the next generation of great comics, and part of being a great comic, as you're noticing in this crazy industry, is having a podcast. So we are doing a live Q&A with a gentleman who has been in the game since the beginning to give you all the tools and info you need to create your own and really build it up and do what all the other cool kids are doing in this game. So if you wanna join future Q&As we do, we do these every single Wednesday live on our YouTube channel, so go subscribe there where we do three other live streams a week as well. And without further ado, welcome to the show, the one and only, Mr. Chris Mancini, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Thanks. Great to be here, Joel. Thanks for having me. Of course. <laughs> Thanks for being here. So, yeah, just, just I, to... I was looking down just real quick thinking like, yeah. all right, well, maybe the button I missed to get the green screen image to work. But I'm like, nope, it's going to be green. We're going to love it. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. That's how we're going to do it today. Oh, I should have put mine up. We could have started a new podcast, the green screen yeah. podcast. It's a very, a very it only visual. took me 10 years to, yeah, it only took me 10 years to buy one. So now I don't know how to use it. So perfect. So. It's perfect though, because you're, you're a podcaster. So there, you don't need yeah. green screens in podcasting, right? No, you don't really. But just just to kick it off, could you give the Hot Breathverse here just a little intro into you and like your backstory and such? Absolutely. I've been a comedian for many years. I don't uh, perform live too much anymore. I pivoted to podcasting and writing probably uh, about 12, 14 years ago, and I was running Comedy Film Nerds. I was one of the founders there until about 2019. And we had a podcast, a website, live shows, a book, a movie. Like we went about as far as we could with the uh, with that company. Uh, we were part of the All Things Comedy Network over with um, uh, Bill Burr and Al Madrigal. And uh, in 2019, we we um, we ended the show and the company. And you know, the timing was actually pretty good because four months later, all the movie theaters closed. So yeah, <laughs> I'm not saying it was related, but you know, then. And then the next year, I uh, started my own company, White Cat Entertainment, to focus on storytelling and podcasting and graphic novels and all storytelling, different types uh, uh, with comedy, genre, and to also interview other creators and other storytellers and kind of find out like what they're watching and what makes them tick and all of those things. So, But that's pretty much the new um, company. The focus is definitely on stories and uh different types comedy par all all, all different uh genres that i've been exploring yeah and that's what's so fascinating because you you have 
about the podcasting genre in general is it does seem like it's whatever you want it to be. Like you have one show right now. What are you watching? And that's more of like a like a conversation. But then the Quiet Journey of Professor Atwood, your other one, it's more of like a scripted one that's geared towards like helping people relax. And it yes. seems like it's infinite what you can do with this medium. It really is. And uh, like the what are you watching is kind of like a spiritual successor to like comedy film nerds where I interview like comedians and other entertainment pros and find out like what they're working on, also what they're watching, because I feel like you could get some cool insight on people that are making content and uh, making shows and movies and uh, even like just, you know, Internet content and to mm -hmm. find out what they're watching. And it's always the comedians are watching weird procedural dramas and all of like the drama writers are watching like comedy specials so you know everyone just kind of gravitates that the thing that they're not making and uh which is always fun um and then i i did two uh, scripted podcasts one of them is the quiet journeys of professor atwood because at the time too things were going to hell as as it was in 2020 and uh you know things were, were bad i wanted to make a podcast that would um entertain but also help people so I kind of created like a new hybrid podcast with like that's kind of like a comedy storytelling narrative sleep aid science travel relaxation podcast like <laughs> put all those things together and uh so it's the it's a type of show where you could just kind of listen to chill relax it could help you sleep but it's also a world that you can get into as you listen to the uh professor go on his journeys like under the ocean and up into the clouds and all of these kind of relaxing journeys that they're kind of like uh, um, just fun, sleepy time adventures. In fact, when I was uh, creating with the sound designer and the composer, like, well, how does the theme song go? And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not sure. It has to be something fun, but also relaxing. So we went through a couple of things and they weren't really clicking. And then the composer, uh, we're on a phone call and he goes to me, oh, I get it now. You want sleepy Indiana Jones. I'm like, yes, that's what I want. I want sleepy Indiana Jones. And then that's how the theme song uh, was created. And that um, it just matches what the show is uh, perfectly. So that's one that's really fun. And then I do this is periodic because it's so hard to make is uh, the, the conversations from the abyss, which is like a Twilight Zone episode where I call a bunch of like my comedian friends and we do these weird, creepy conversations and they're fully scripted. They're not comedy horror. They're they're straight horror. And in fact, I had a couple of people email and go, uh, yeah, I was working late at night and I put on this podcast and I was in the office alone and I'm kind of sorry I did. So no. <laughs> so so I kind of promote it as like stories to help you sleep and stories to keep you awake. So that's kind of the both sides of the coin. And it's interesting you mentioned like your composer and all of this with your podcast. Like it seems like mm -hmm. now with so many podcasts out there that it, like, if it's a comedian who's like, Oh, I've always wanted to start a podcast. It's like you being in the industry so long for a comedian who's thinking like, okay, now I'm finally going to do it. What kind of tips do you have for them or things that you've learned the hard way to maybe, or the reality of actually podcasting that a lot of people don't realize. Um, yeah, there, there, there's a, there's a lot of, um, things that are different now than when I started. And one of them is that it's it's a lot more saturated of a market with mm -hmm. more corporations and more money flowing into. So it's actually harder to get noticed as an, you know, an indie guy. But that's not meant to discourage anyone because uh, a great indie voice will always find a following and, and uh, move forward. So uh, and the barrier to entry is very low for a podcast. You could record and, you know, post very, very cheaply. But 
the first thing, and this hasn't changed even with all the corporations, everything coming out. The first thing you have to realize is that what do you want to say? What are you mm. do you want to do in podcasting that's different than what everyone else is doing or it does it in a different way? And that's the first thing that you kind of have to figure out. Uh, like I remember the story that uh, the creators of Welcome to Night Vale told me and uh, they were like, we wanted to do a podcast and we just didn't know what we wanted it to do. So they actually researched and listened to a bunch of podcasts to find out what wasn't there. And then they create a Welcome to Night Vale to kind of fill that gap that simply wasn't there. And it was blew up and of course still super successful, but one of the things that is always skipped is like, what's the landscape look like? Do your research, listen to other podcasts before you figure out what you want to do and how you're going to do it differently. Find out what's already out there and how you can do it better and uh, or not even necessarily better, just uh, differently. Beautiful. Yeah, that's something I actually did with this podcast was when it started five years ago, I remember like. My favorite moments of comedian podcasts were when they nerded out about like their process and how they did certain things, whether in the business side or the creative side. And those are my favorite moments. And I was like, well, there really isn't at that time a podcast that goes that deep into just the craft. And it's just solely about that. So I kind of created the show I wish existed. But now, right. five years later and, you know, 400 plus interviews later, I'm like... Where's like money or like, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm that, grateful. That bar is, that but... bar has gone up. And, and that's one of the things that has changed where like, you know, that goalpost of like, oh, you only need this many downloads to make some money. Now you need this many. Now mm -hmm. you need this many. And now we're going to measure it differently. And now we're going to kind of like not count the stats the way we used to be counting them. So it's not just you. <laughs> 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 the bar has definitely been raised uh, for entry as far as monetization goes. That's why you see also a lot of podcasters, they try to monetize on YouTube, they monetize on the podcast. And, you know, there's good and bad at that, because what it's also doing is splitting your audience. So you don't have them concentrated on one place to monetize. But if it's a super, if you can get um, more eyeballs or earballs and mm -hmm. <laughs> one place, you know, it could translate somewhere else or it could bring you back to somewhere else. So it's a, you know, it's a kind of a double edged sword. You know, if you're in so many places, it could split your numbers, but it could also uh, lead to more discovery. So it's, you got to kind of decide what's best for the show because some uh, podcasts, they're, they're not really set up for video at all. And uh, and sometimes, interestingly, that doesn't matter. Somebody's just on YouTube putting something on to to listen. So um, there's all these factors, and anyone who tells you exactly what to do and what works and what doesn't um, might be right one day, but then a couple weeks later, things may change, and uh, everything's constantly evolving. The only thing that sadly hasn't is the bar keeps getting higher for monetization, which is uh, it can be frustrating. But there's other ways to kind of grow your podcast by you know, going on other shows, doing promotion. I mean, throwing money to social media, like ads and stuff, that doesn't really do a lot unless you have a lot of money to spend. It's more the kind of the networking and marketing yourself and trying to get on other podcasts and have other people on your podcast and you kind of uh, grow it slowly that way. The the one uh, fallacy and the, the one myth is that like, well, I have this podcast, but if I could just get on this one show or if I could just get this one guest, it'll blow me up into the stratosphere and I'll be able to make money. I'm like, it doesn't happen. It's the same with like 
crowdfunding is every once in a while. Sure. There is a gloom Haven that'll make them, you know, $4 million or whatever, but mostly with, it's a slow climb and it's a slow burn. And every little thing you do, every guest, every time you're on another podcast gives you that little tick up. And then it's a, it's a slow increase. I mean, we've seen that with like quiet journeys of professor Atwood. This is a new podcast and a new genre that I'm not really known for that I've done before. So it's been a, um, a slower build, but it is building and it's just taking a little bit longer. And it's also um, hitting that spot where it's something that people need. It's been helping mm-hmm. people, helping them sleep. And uh, so if you have this mix of a podcast that, you know, is entertaining, but also there's a need for it. And when I say need, it doesn't mean it's something that has to, you know, certainly help you. A need that um, it's knowledge or information or a type of entertainment that's hasn't really been serviced or served before. So there it goes back to what we were saying earlier. It's like, okay, well, you know, you could grow it, but have you looked to see what niche that you're filling and what's not there and how you can fill that niche and how you could grow and expand when there's nobody else or very few people doing what you're doing. So what, what would you say just to selfishly ask for this show? I mean, mm-hmm. and I, it, it is interesting. I've, I've been fortunate enough to interview some like big names on here now, and right. those aren't necessarily the most popular episodes. So I do tell people mm-hmm. all the time, chasing these names is not gonna solve all your problems. So like it, it's not, it's not. Yeah. And uh, you know, I've seen that too with my podcast sometimes, like, especially even with comedy film nerds, um, we noticed that the movie that we were talking about, like if it was a popular movie, sometimes those numbers will be higher. But if we had a giant guest on talking about an indie movie, those numbers would be lower. Yeah, <laughs> so it, it, it doesn't it doesn't really translate like that, like you're saying. So for you specifically, mm-hmm. I would say like you you already got it covered where you're having a lot of comedians on your podcast that they'll promote when they're on. Uh, but. Um, bug them to be on their podcasts is one of the things like, okay. uh, here's, here's, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I will invite you onto my podcast, uh, to do. Oh. And, uh, um, so yeah, <laughs> but that's, you know, that's the other way that, you know, that you can get the fans to kind of go in like a circle. It's like, they, they come here, they go there. And then, uh, um, you know, the rising tide will raise all, all boats. So more people can find you that wouldn't be aware of you and, and vice versa. So, um, the thing that you're probably not doing and which a lot of other podcasters aren't doing is because who has the bandwidth to do everything is uh, <laughs> um, to be promoting yourself and to be pitching yourself onto these other shows. Okay. Okay. That's, that's the best way to grow a show, I guess, is being on other shows, you would say. One of the, one of the ways. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the best way is to have a advertising and a PR budget of $20,000. Then, uh, yeah, oh, you can, okay. <laughs> yeah, no big uh, deal then. Then yeah. it's easy. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, but that's, unfortunately that is, I, I half joke about that because that's kind of your competition because when, a corporation drops a new podcast with a celebrity or something like that, they are spending that money and uh, they're spending it with someone who's already a name. So you're, you're competing with these bigger shows. So you have to kind of get a little more creative and try to kind of stealthily get on more shows and, you know, find more audience where, you know, that you're not, you, you're not necessarily, uh, they're not necessarily aware of you yet. Yeah. Cause even with your comedy film nerds podcast and while you were doing that, you guys created the earbuds documentary Yes. This was like six years ago before, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, podcasting has been building incrementally, but like this is before now where everyone and their aunt has a podcast, you know, and 
you guys were mm -hmm. able to raise almost $140,000 to get this documentary done. Like, is that yep. all podcast fans or like, how were you able to create that engagement? It was mostly podcast fans, but it was also um, other podcasters, too. That's the thing about the community, especially in the podcast and comedy community. Mm. Um, we have always supported each other, especially at that time, you know, when they're there. Um, we were all we had, you know, we, we were just supporting each other as we were all kind of helping us grow. There, there wasn't a ton of money coming into podcasting. So um, it was a combination of fans and support from other podcasters. And, you know, you could see like a lot of the podcasters in the film. Um, you know, they were also, um, a lot of them were backers too, you know, in, in different amounts of, uh, of money. And then we got some sponsorship from Squarespace and a couple other places that actually, um, helped make the film, the film, I, you know, it, it's, it's a moment in time. Like, you know, some of the things that as we, as you watch the film again, you know, years later, it's more on kind of like the emergence of podcasting, which obviously things don't <laughs> apply now as much with the emergence of podcasting, but the thing that's exactly the same and the thing that makes podcasting so amazing is what we explored in the film. It was the personal connection between the host and the audience that doesn't exist in any other medium. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly the same. Hasn't changed. If anything, it's gotten stronger. So when we went to Japan and Australia and all over the country and met the podcasters and the fans and interviewed like, you know, Joe Rogan and Aisha Tyler and Doug Benson. And it's all, you know, we always got the, you know, that feel of like, this is how people have connected. This is how it's helped people gotten through depression or tough times and all of the things that, uh, you know, we were hoping it would do because even as artists and comedians and writers and actors, you hope you can entertain people, but if you can entertain people and help them and make their lives just a little bit better and brighter in, in your own way and maybe give them like that, you know, get out of their own head and give them that like, you know, brief release. It's that's that's what we all want to do. We want to, you know, entertain, but also help and make things better. So, yeah, as you're saying that, I mean, I feel like this show is checking all those boxes. I mean, I get messages every day about how the show helps people and. We have mm -hmm. listeners now on every continent except Antarctica, but we're coming for you, <laughs> Antarctica. So I, I guess part yeah. of podcasting is well, also... When, when Antarctica, when they add an open mic, then you might be able to get a few more <laughs> listeners there. So. <laughs> exactly. So I, I guess I do need to I, I do need to be more grateful for what we are doing as well. I guess I just, I hear all these like things in podcasting and all this money and such but the yeah. the show is, it's yeah, not it has, just podcasting it's entertainment in general like you always hear like uh you know oh well it's the golden age of television everyone's getting hired on all these different shows i'm like not everyone not you know mm -hmm. there's still a lot of people still fighting for jobs and it's still a horrible miserable business so you know there's, there, <laughs> there's always that ki that's always that kind of like you know fantasy of like you know how great things are and you know, the the five people that are, you know, blowing the lid off things, but they, you know, there's a, a you know, 100,000, uh, you know, underneath them, they're still working their way up and, and working hard and not getting that larger piece of the pie. But that's that's just oh, the way it, it's always been. Are you do you see any common like with like super successful or podcasts that even just last? Like, are there common commonalities between these like really successful podcasts that maybe we could kind of apply to our own well, there is that X factor that you can never really quantify, like what people are going to like, what people are, uh, you know, are, are going to gravitate towards. So that's, you know, it's like 
it's like a company naming their their uh, video company Viral Video. Like, you know, you can't plan to have a video go viral. It's just it doesn't work that way. But the one thing I will say with podcasting, it's usually the things that um, approach. It's the podcast that approach things from a different perspective or a different angle, like uh, um, um, Karen, Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstrike. They're doing um, My Favorite Murder. And while true crime was huge in podcasting, there was never really a comedic female-driven podcast for true crime. And sure enough, they, um, they found that niche and they found that need, like, you know, what, what is, where is that need? And their podcast, is, it blew up uncharacteristically quickly, like super, super fast. Like uh, sometimes they take a little while to find their audience, but my favorite murder was just, I hit really from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, and let's just to ask about this show again, and I appreciate people coming sure. with your questions. We're about to, we're definitely about to jump into your questions as well. So do comment mm-hmm. your questions here for uh, Chris. But um, like for this show, we, we get a fair amount of engagement stuff. Like I said, I get messages every day and stuff. But do you have any sure. advice on how maybe to increase engagement or to maybe increase the shareability of the show? So if we have people that really love the show, encouraging that engagement to actually like promote it or to tell their fellow comedian or comedy fan, you know? Well, that's an interesting question. And I would say if your fans are that engaged, then that's work that you don't need to do. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe just asking, I guess. Um, because it's if they're already engaged and you have a core audience, because let me tell you what that means. That means that what you're doing is thoroughly engaging and that people are really enjoying it and they're very loyal to it. And that even though that number may be small, it shows the value and the viability of your show. So that's the first kind of takeaway from that because you have that engagement. The second is that you can't really rely on them to increase your numbers and uh, engagement and as far as like uh, getting more people to listen because it the way the internet works and social media it used to kind of work that way it doesn't anymore because there's so much noise and everything's flooded all the time um growing the numbers it's not quite as effective that way as it used to be it's it's more um promoting yourself and going on other shows and the discovery of people finding you that don't already know about you and you could have fans share and things like that but it doesn't grow you as much as uh, other things do now. So I would say, first of all, congratulations, because that means that, you know, you're doing something very right with your show, that you have that kind of engagement and that kind of uh, loyalty. And that I would say focus more on growing the numbers a, a different way, like more about promoting yourself and the show to other corners of the Internet that aren't aware of you. Beautiful. Like doing your podcast. So that's exactly. A, yep. That's a good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally, literally, if you're interviewing all of these comedians, when you know, you're like when you tell them when it's going to be on, you say, hey, I'd love to do your show sometime, too. So then and then, you know, your calendar should be booked by uh, <laughs> that's a really good point. That's a really good point. I haven't I haven't looked to return the favor like that. So that's that's mm-hmm. really cool. I appreciate that. And uh, we appreciate Ryan Shrilla just hit us with a super chat as well. So thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, Ryan. So um, we will jump to That's his question. That's the paid chat, right? That's the, I, I don't even know all these terms. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> On YouTube, it's like, a, it's like a tip for the live stream. If people are like oh, enjoying awesome. it, they can give you like a tip on there. So okay. thank you so much, Ryan. 
And uh, let's go to his question first. I mean, since he hit us with the super chat here. So let me see if, um, okay, looks like he posted like a, here it is. So he says, and he has a show called Biteworthy, which I actually just, speaking of being on other podcasts, I actually just did it not long ago and it was a lot of fun. So he said, I have a YouTube interview show and many people want audio only. How do I tackle that? And is there anything I should avoid in my template? I don't think there's anything to avoid, but there are very specific um, platforms and programs to do that automatically. Like Headliner is a really good one for that, where you could just take your podcast and then it'll throw it up on YouTube as a as a video. But there's no, it's really audio only. It's just kind of like your logo on the screen and then maybe like a, a sound wave at the bottom. But um, you know, that's, that's probably the easiest way. Like the, the way, if you could, uh, um, kind of just like make it as seamless as possible for yourself. So you're not doing a ton of extra work. And I like, if you get like, uh, like kind of like connected with like a, a headliner or other platforms that kind of do it automatically for you, it'll make it easier. But I, I don't know if there's anything you should avoid in your template, but, uh, that's, um, pornography, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> so, so I don't know to avoid in your template. I'm not quite sure, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think use your judgment. Yeah, <laughs> but his his is actually video, and it sounds like he's wanting to make it just audio. And maybe you can follow up with, like, I don't know what he means by template, or if he's wondering like specifics on hosting sites or what. But because um, I, I am familiar with headliner for people going audio trying to get on YouTube, but he I think he's trying to go YouTube to audio. I think there's another step. You got to pull the audio out, but then if you want to um, re put that onto YouTube without the video, then you know your template would go up with your logo and things like that. So first, you got to obviously separate the audio, and there's tools to do that as well. Mm -hmm. And then you know you're just kind of doing one extra step, maybe in reverse, to get it back to YouTube without the. Uh, without the video or, and, and then you have but then you have it both then you have like the mp3 that you could just throw up as a podcast too so and then that mp3 goes into headliner and you know it can make the non-video video for you <laughs> do you do you have any favorite like hosting sites for people to like post their podcast to uh, I've been on Libsyn for a long time but there are a lot of different choices now and when I was on started on Libsyn I mean because I I know some of the people over there. So I've been there for, for a while. Um, there weren't that many games in town. I mean, there was, there weren't that many choices, but it, it depends. Like if, you know, you want to do a little more video, if you want kind of like dynamic ad insertion, depending on your numbers, like there's, there's definitely a little more research that you could do, but I've always found Libsyn to be like, you know, reliable and reasonably priced. So one of the things that used to be a little easier is migration. Like if you're on a, a hosting site and, you know, you're not really happy with it and you want to leave like a year or two later, you could still do it. It's just a little more complicated and sometimes you have to pay a fee, but it is still possible. So don't think that you're it's a prison sentence if, you, if you're on a hosting mm -hmm. company site and you don't you don't love it. So there, there's ways to migrate. Perfect. All right. Yeah. Good. Good luck with that there, Ryan. It was a fun show to do. So, yeah, keep it up. Um. This is Bobby Sutton. She says, could you please tell us exactly what we need equipment wise? How many episodes we need to post a week to build a following? And can it be done without the high end equipment for broke folks? <laughs> yes. Um, one of the things, first of all, is consistency. Mm. Like you, 
once you kind of pick a schedule, kind of stick to it a little bit. Now, a lot of like interview shows, it's they're once a week. Um, and then if you start to get to the point where you have a lot of listeners and you could do a Patreon where, you know, you do a bonus episode for them, maybe once or twice more in the month. Um, there's some shows that do more than once a week. That's a big bandwidth, especially if you're not <laughs> making a lot of money. Um, so, but also you got to remember too, that there's scripted uh, podcasts that are much more time intensive to put in and they are released far less frequently. Like the quiet journeys of professor at what I do two a month, the first and the 15th. And then some of them even have like seasons where, you know, you have the, podcast released and then you know you're you're eight months on four months off so there's not a specific you know thing you know rule that you have to follow with the exception of don't have the audience guess as to when you're going to release content Mm -hmm. like if it's clear what your schedule is if you're if you're doing seasons or whatever then it's it's much easier for the audience to be engaged and not think like, well, are they going to show up with an episode this week or or are they not? So um, you could pick any kind of schedule you want, but you got to stick to it. Yeah. And something you've talked about before, even in your earbuds documentary is just like the relationship a podcast listener has with that podcaster. And if you're, if it's like, if you're going to miss a week, it's like, tell them like post an episode, just saying, Hey, I'm Mm going to miss this because there really is a trust and an intimacy to podcasting that I think people that create them sometimes maybe don't realize, but like people start to depend and trust you and you break that trust that once you, once you create that gap, it can start to just keep widening and they stop listening. People unsubscribe because they can get a thousand other different podcasts. But even in the documentary, when we interviewed Mark Marin, he said, you know, you got to pick a schedule, be consistent because you got to be there for people. And that's one of the things because people, even though it's free content, people do tend to rely on it. So once they, you know, they become loyal to it, they, you know, you have to make sure you communicate, like if there's going to be gaps or if you're changing a schedule. And, but as far as equipment goes, honestly, you can really start off pretty cheap. Like, you know, you have a microphone, headphones and then a um like like i have a a motu board or there's a scarlet like you know you 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 have just a little board that goes right into your usb port and your computer uh and then if you're doing interviews you know you might have to pay for like a a platform to record people remotely but generally it's it's a pretty cheap barrier of entry i mean you're you're gonna pay like a couple bucks a month for a hosting company but you know, it's you could get up and running for a couple hundred dollars at the most, like from scratch, unless you have to buy a computer, then it'll be a little hmm. more. But <laughs> but if you already have a computer, it's you know, you're looking at a couple hundred dollars and there are podcasting starter kits now you could get like hmm. if you don't want to figure out like, oh, what microphone or what what board or what, you know, what recording device do I need? Amazon has them. Uh, Guitar Center has them. A lot of um, smaller, even bigger, too. Um, companies, even like audio companies or, or music musician companies, like Guitar Center, well, it's just for musicians. No, it used to be. Now mm. they have entire podcast packages now that, you know, you could get online or if you have a store near you, but Amazon has them. There's a lot of things online where you could just get like a kit to get you started. I mean, if you really, really want to go cheap, 
you could get like a snowball mic and start that way uh, or and get like and just use your earbuds from your phone or whatever. But I wouldn't recommend it. I feel if you're if you're really serious about it, save up a few hundred bucks and, you know, get like a starter set of equipment. So you're you can hit the ground running and you don't have to deal with poor audio when you're trying to figure out your content and starting the show as well. Yeah, I've even noticed some people they they do anchor they use anchor because it's free and they just record it from their phone and i don't i don't know if i know any podcasts that have lasted doing that method so it's like if you're serious about it and it's a topic you're passionate about then yeah it's worth the investment but just make sure that you're gonna like make sure it's something you care about because it will be a lot of behind the scenes work that people don't understand or can't even imagine you know every monday i'm posting I post every Monday at 8 a.m. I post a new episode. I've done that. And what's I've been up. I've like been in bed, remembered, or had I record like an intro and it wasn't great. And I was like, I'm going to have to re-record that. I've woken up at 6, gone into my closet, recorded a new intro, edited it all back up to then post it at 8 a.m. Like those are the invisible little um, workflows that you don't understand until you actually create a podcast. You want to make sure it's something you're passionate around, but the equipment is worth the investment because it's going to reflect the quality listener as well. Absolutely. And then, you know, if, depending if you're doing interview, you know, you'll have to edit. Like if, you know, somebody says something that you don't want aired, you know, you're going to have to, um, especially when you're interviewing comedians, uh, sometimes (laughs) that can happen. Uh, So you you may want to be judicious in your editing, but when you get into scripted too, then it's a whole nother uh, ball of wax. It's it's like you know making like an independent film in, in ways where you have to um, you know figure out scheduling of actors and recording and takes and directing the actors, and then you've got music and sound design and all of these things that kind of come together. Um, so, but here's the thing too: I don't want that to discourage anyone. There's plenty of people that started with scripted podcasts with like no experience and. You know they've they've done very well so it's really about uh the passion that you have and the time and effort and energy that you're willing to put in and uh, i remember one um it was some one of those uh business books that you know you read about like what's the the and the one thing that you know a lot of the stuff is like take it or leave it but the one thing that always stuck with me is the minimum threshold for success is constant learning so if you're willing to constantly be learning about what you're doing and what other, what is out there and what you're doing, that's not something that ever ends because there's new things come out, new trends, new technologies. So, you know, always keep your mind open for learning about what you're doing and how you're doing it. And uh, this way you'll, you won't get left behind as far as content or technology. Yeah. And Michelle said we've had to re-record entire episodes because of like craziness that's happened. And I've, I've deleted episodes. I, <laughs> like, oh yeah. On accident. Mm-hmm. Like there's, mm-hmm. a, yeah, it's been everything, dude. Every oh. podcaster has a lost episode story. And, uh, I'll, I'll give you mine. And because this was so frustrating, like I was doing a panel at Comic-Con and it was a super late panel. It was, I think the Kung Fu movie extravaganza. And, uh, um, we were like, you know, hey, it's it's midnight. Let's go back to one of the hotel rooms and record a podcast. Everyone's still up, right? So there's about four of us that were on the panel, and uh, we went back to one of the hotel rooms. I had a Zoom recorder with me. I hit record, checked to make sure it was recording. The light was on. The, the, the bars were going across for recording. I'm like, okay, great. I even did a test recording. You know, then I um, deleted that, and then we started recording. Right when we started recording... 
the recorder fell on the ground. And I was like, okay, well, let me make sure, check. I put it back. Lights are still on. Recording is still on. And the um, the sound bars are going across showing that it's recording. So recorded the whole episode. Uh, we're, done, we're exhausted. It's like by then it's like one, two in the morning. And we're like, this is ridiculous. We, go, we all have to go to bed. And uh, I listened to it the next day. And the entire episode is silent. It's gone. So what happened was when the when the recorder fell, it somehow hit the microphone button. So it switched inputs from the microphone to line, mm. and there was nothing in the line. So oh. it recorded an hour and fifteen minutes of silence when we were talking about martial arts and kung fu movies and all those things. So that was our lost episode. <laughs> oh man, mine. The, it hit me so hard too. I just I'd done I'd done an interview with a comedian named Ron G, and um, I for some reason I decided to format my card like late like before going on a trip or something. I don't know. I decided to leave everything off the card, not even thinking that I hadn't uploaded that episode to my computer yet. And it hit me literally like I was on I was on a family vacation. I was literally pumping gas. And then it hit me right as I was pumping gas. And I just started like panicking. Nothing like this had ever happened before. This was probably the first 20 or 30 episodes I had done. And I remember getting back into my car. I was like in the fetal position. And my wife was like, are you all right? And I was like, <laughs> it's over. It ruined everything. But um, I ended up parlaying and making um, uh, a trip out to LA to film it. To um, This was when I was audio only, actually. But um, mm -hmm. I ended up um, saying, all right, let's make the best of it. I ended up planning a trip to actually go back out there and re-record with him. And that was like my first time out in LA and I was able to do a few other interviews while I was out there. So I, oh, fun. I made, made lemonade out of lemons, but dude, my mm -hmm. heart like cried. I was just like, Oh, <laughs> it just hit me yeah. like, Oh, I deleted that two days ago and wasn't even thinking. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the, um, Oh, nice. Tony said, Joel is my favorite person in the digital world. Thank you. Nice. Oh, and he See? said I should get Pablo Francisco on. Oh, yeah, he would yeah. be great. He would be good, yeah. He would be good on, like, a scripted show with all the voices he can do and stuff. Um, Next up, we have Mr. Drew Beekler. He says, would a loose outline of an episode be cool to have to keep the episode structured a bit, or is it cool to be a bit looser? Um, I always think it's better to have a loose outline because it kind of gives you an idea of where the show is going to go and what you're going to talk about. Like a lot of podcasts, obviously, are conversational, like never not funny. They just kind of talk and wherever the conversation goes, it goes. But um, I, I'm always a fan of a little bit of structure, but uh, mm -hmm. it also it, it depends on the comedian and, and the show. But um, but here's why I will also say use a little bit of structure because it can kind of steer you in the right direction as to what kind of show you want to have. Like if your show is structured, you can learn quickly what works and what doesn't work. And then it'll steer you in the direction of where you want to go with your show. It, it's, it's a shortcut to getting you where you want to be quicker. Yeah. And even on like my interviews, like I, I researched the guest and I, uh, and back in the day, I mean, I had a script like back in the day, it was like, we're going to start with this question and then go to this question and that. Qu like, I literally had it scripted out that much, even if it's comics talking about comedy, like I even scripted it out and now it's more organic. 
and I've I've like just gotten more comfortable weaving in topics as they come up more organically. But in the beginning, it was like question number one, and I was literally I had like mm-hmm. notes in front of me and everything. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's what you want it to be. But as you had said before, it's like you know creating a quality show that'll create a quality like listenership. Part of that is maybe like a little prep. Not everyone really barely anyone is Bill Burr where they can just rant alone and it's hilarious all the time. I know there's a lot of comics trying that right now. It's where I'll just create a podcast and rant into my iPhone and it'll be funny. Or it's like people think they're Joe Rogan and can do three hours. It's like, I think, I think now more than ever with so many podcasts, it's like, how can you differentiate yourself and up the quality of the show? And I think at least having some structure, some format uh, can really help do that. For sure. But uh, yeah, good good question there, Drew. Uh, next up, we have Raul Carrasco, or Carrasco, perhaps. Um, how many completely different topics can a podcast handle? I feel like my interests are so random and wide. Should I have a different pod per interest? <laughs> well, uh, I would say cluster them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, if you if you like movies, TVs, and books, you don't need three podcasts. <laughs> uh, so, but you know, if you have something where you know you like you know media like TV or film, or if you like sports or something like that, you know, you can you can kind of like uh, like I said, cluster them a little bit. But um, I, I wouldn't like break them up too much. I mean, granted, some very spe- podcasts are very specific, like, uh, you know, James Bond movies or Star Trek Next Generation episodes. But you the, those uh, podcasts also end, you know, when you get to the end of that library, those podcasts are, are, are over. Um, so, yeah, you don't need a podcast for each one, but definitely kind of cluster your interests a bit. And the other thing, too, you're going to find with all your different interests, you might like talking about one of them more than the other, but you won't know that until you start talking about them. So, you know, if you start your podcast and you start talking like, uh, okay, well, yeah, I kind of like this and like, well, I did like talking about this, but now I've kind of don't have anything more to say on this subject. So you realize that, uh, oh, this is where I kind of want to focus. And that's the podcast that will have the uh, longest legs. Yeah, and make sure, yeah, it's something you're super passionate about. I can't overemphasize the amount of work a podcast is. And I isn't yes. there like a crazy stat that it's like it's something like seventy or eighty percent of podcasts don't make it past like ten episodes or something like that? Probably. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. So yeah, and if you sure. if your podcast gets like over two hundred downloads an episode, you're in the top, you know, ten percent of podcasts, something like that. Like oh something. Yeah. snap. Yeah, there's okay. something there's some there's some crazy statistics that uh, a lot of podcasts get less than uh, 200 uh, um, downloads an episode. Well, well, hot breath is out here. Yeah, we get more than that. <laughs> so, all right, we're in the top 10 percent, baby. Yep, I love it. All right, next question. Oh, this is an interesting one, uh, and this one's from Bobby as well. And this is an interesting one because. So many shows I'm noticing, like HBO now, literally like every show they have now has a companion podcast with it, which is so fascinating. So uh, Bobby yep. was asking how you feel about the success of Steve Martin and Martin Short's 
Only Murders in the Building, which I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a show based around a podcast, essentially. I love it, too, because it's two old guys trying to figure out what a podcast is the mm -hmm. entire time that they're actually doing it. So I, I think if you were going to do um, podcasting in a show uh, to have Martin Short and um, uh, Steve Martin do it, I think that's like the perfect way to do it. And you've got the one character uh, that is like just rolls her eyes the entire time and uh, also doesn't really care about podcasting. Too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so I, I, I really like it and I like what they've kind of done with it. And um, I feel like it's it's just a, a real nice mix. And also there's some inside jokes for podcasters too, like uh, with, you know, the, the big like the NPR <laughs> um, super successful ones, how... Um, they're like these, you know, awful entertainment monsters. <laughs> and uh, uh, they're like, there's some really fun things in there about like the hierarchy of uh, podcasts. And for some reason, NPR ended up at the top. So <laughs> mm. have you <laughs> heard stories a... like that before of them almost like poaching smaller uh, podcast ideas? Uh, it happens. I haven't heard anything specific, no, but I can tell you just because it's an entertainment medium that yeah. chances are it's happened <laughs> yeah, at yeah. some point or another. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, and it, it just, it, it also kinds of, of, it gives it that nice satire of, uh, you know, how ridiculous things even in the podcast world can, uh, can be. And the interesting thing about when we talk about like the visual medium, translating like and now like podcasting audio only is now translating to visual and stuff is there's a lot of there's a lot of podcasts that um get picked up as tv shows and stuff now as well so especially like a scripted one where you talk about them having sound design and things like that i mean if you're thinking about whoever's thinking about creating a podcast i mean maybe even thinking that far ahead one that if it is a scripted one script it as if it were like a visual medium. And then one day it literally like may get picked up. Yeah. And that was kind of like, this is how quickly things are evolving. There's literally companies doing that now um, <laughs> and putting like celebrities or, you know, known yeah. actors in their actual podcast with an eye on, you know, making that jump to, to a TV or a film. So they're not really organic podcasts anymore. They're more like audio pilots. Um, which is fine, but it's also it's something where like the market is now um, getting a little bit more saturated with that specific idea in mind with more money coming in where it's not just somebody who had a good idea with a podcast and made the podcast, then it gets picked up and developed for TV. It's money being thrown at podcasting to make something that can be picked up for TV specifically. So mm -hmm. um it goes back to what I said before. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying that, uh, you know, there is more competition for that now. But again, a good idea is a good idea. And if it does well, you know, you're going to get eyeballs on you because at the end of the day, content is king. And also content is irrelevant. So <laughs> <laughs> content is king and, and irrelevant. And, yeah. And what I mean by that is if you have a show that you pitched around town and that nobody wanted, nobody wanted. Then you made it a podcast and it was getting millions of downloads. Guess what? That exact same show, everyone will want. So it, it's really a lot about playing the game and a lot about not playing the game. And, uh, you know, if you can get that, generate that interest and audience on your own, they will find you. Then the doors will start to kind of knock and, uh, and open, like even if it's something that no one wanted before.
because mm-hmm. entertainment still, even with streaming, there it's it's heat seeking. So if you have something successful, um, people are going to come by and wonder how they can exploit it. So. <laughs> How do you feel about like networks and things like that? Like, for example, for like this show, it's like we're building steadily. But if a network came along, would you recommend like us just jumping on there? Or would you recommend us kind of staying the course and just steady as she goes type deal? Well, I've worked with networks and I've worked outside of networks and it's a mixed bag. You might be able to get a little bit of advertising dollars from a network, maybe a little bit of promotion. But by and large, um, it's a like if you get on oh great i'm on a big network okay but then you're the small show so you're going to get ignored and like okay great well i'm the i'm a medium-sized show but now on a small network i'm like well yeah but now the network is you know counting on you to raise up all the other shows so Mm. um it's kind of a mixed bag again like i said before but uh um i would say take it on a case-by-case basis if it makes sense um you know you could look into joining a network but if it doesn't make sense don't feel obligated to um you know jump somewhere where it's not necessarily the right fit okay cool good to know um next we have here michelle van dusen is there a quick and easy way to monetize your podcast what's the secret oh we already (laughs) yeah honestly the secret is simple is your numbers have to be high i mean once you get to a certain threshold there's even advertising sites and um platforms that once you hit like uh i think it's and again this bar keeps getting pushed back uh as more of the bigger podcasts come online but i think you need i have to check again it's either fifteen thousand downloads a month or I think 5,000 per episode. And there's, uh, you know, there's some like kind of micro advertising you could get or like indie advertising that you could also get too. But generally for the bigger names and the platforms, those are the numbers you kind of have to hit first. There's no real, I mean, that's really, you know, the, the, the magic numbers. Like once you hit that, it's the monetization is actually easier. Um, mm. So the, the whole point is to get to those numbers and then, the monetization, it, it's almost like automatic. It's like YouTube just putting ads on it. Like you can get on these other platforms or um, ad platforms and they'll they'll kind of take care of it for you. Yeah, and another thing is don't just think of how can I get advertisers? Because you'll hear the term like CPMs, which Chris right. is referencing in terms of like, that's like per thousand. So it's like 15,000 yep. per month or mm-hmm. whatnot. But also... If you create a podcast in like, for instance, here, you know, we've had comedy festivals that have sponsored the show before. So yep. it's like if you have a niche audience, I have a friend in who does a fishing podcast, super niche. But he has he has like a boating company that sponsors right. it and he makes he makes good money just in this niche audience. So it's not all about how can I get this many listeners to then get these big advertisers, but okay, who is your audience? What products or brands would they be interested in? And maybe reach out to those brands. And that's a good uh, distinction to make because when you're on an advertising platform or if you're going after like, just kind of like, you know, overall advertising, it's all about numbers. It it doesn't really matter as niche as like, you know, 1-800-Flowers or HelloFresh. They they don't care. They just Mm want to hear the numbers. But if you're going after like indie advertising, that's where it gets more specific. Like, you know, if you're doing a fishing podcast and a boating company, but there aren't really on platforms as much. Those are more indie deals that you kind of have to make directly with the advertiser. Yeah. And uh, so those are the kind of the 
the kind of outreach that you would have to do on your own. And but it's as you just found out with you, like your friend, it's worthwhile because, you know, you could make a, a little bit of money, at least while you're growing the audience and the advertisers happy because they're hitting their niche market. Exactamundo. Um, oh, and Michelle had also asked about intro outro music and how long is it important to have intro outro music and how long should that be? It's very important to have it because it makes your uh, podcast a lot more uh, professional and it should always kind of fade in. I mean, outro, not as much. I mean, but intro for sure, because it kind of sets the tone and mood of your podcast. Um, and there's no set time, but, you know, you don't want it super long, I would say, you know, under 30 seconds at the at the most, because, you know, you want people just to kind of get a flavor of what they're listening to. And it's like that familiarity. Uh, but Again, for a talk show one, it could be even shorter. But for me, for like quiet journeys where it's kind of setting the mood with an intro and some music, you know, you could kind of take that that full 30 seconds or maybe even a little longer. But um, if you want to just kind of get into like an interview show, it could be super short or, you know, 15 seconds, 10 seconds. But uh, you have to have something. Yeah. And I, I believe some people like my 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 music is like original. It was created by my wife. Amen. Mm -hmm. But um, I think I think is there something that if you use licensed music, it has to be less than 15 seconds or something like that. Is that a legal I would just recommend not even dealing with that because that uh, that always could change. Uh, get original music for your intro and outro like you. A lot of times you could find an independent artist. You'll pay for it once. There's no royalties. But and, you know, an independent musician gets work and then you don't have to deal with, um, you know, licensed music. Oh, yeah. And is there. um. Bob Kirk followed up. Is there is there a site to get that kind of like license free music? Um, Probably if you just Google license free music, something will come up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah. I know YouTube channels yeah. will use them a lot for their mm -hmm. um, videos and stuff. There is I can't think of one offhand, but yeah, the there other are thing about licensed well. music, it sounds like licensed music. Like if you're serious about you know your podcast, it's it's better to have something a little bit original, even if it's you know, something super short and something that's, um, you know, that, that uh, is, you know, super cheap that, you, you know, you pay somebody for because there's exchanges and, you know, musician uh, platforms that you could hire somebody pretty easily and quickly. But uh, um, yeah, licensed music, people use it. I would really recommend original because as your show grows, it's one less thing you'll have to worry about or deal with. For sure. Yeah, I agree for sure. Um. Tony Baloney, do you have to censor yourself? Like, are there topics off limits or is it just anything goes? <laughs> it depends on the kind of show you want to present. Yep. Uh, that's why Apple has like, you know, a explicit or non-explicit button. Uh, so, mm -hmm. you know, I have uh, my shows go both. Some of my press it, some of them I don't. But uh, as far as topics go, you know, it, it's... And not really. I mean, it's more how you're talking about the topics that you could maybe uh, engage people or turn them off. So but I wouldn't really, you know, I, I don't know that it's the whole point of podcasting is not to censor yourself. And you'll know pretty quickly whether you're <laughs> pissing people off or if, uh, you know, they're enjoying what you're saying. <sighs> people aren't quiet on the Internet. So <laughs> <laughs> great question there. And um, Greg Hardy. Let's see what Greg has going on here. And Greg is actually working on a fun project.
project right now as well, which is, um, um, I'm excited to see what his question is. Um, what are some good examples of someone creating a podcast mini series or they take breaks and come back with a season two, as opposed to starting one and hoping to come up with new weekly topics forever? The miniseries generally are either um, true crime, where it's a uh, obviously like serial and like some of these other ones where they they go through like a, you know, one crime for like a season and they kind of dig down into it. And uh, also scripted ones where you might have like a season one and then, you know, they have one narrative arc and then the next season picks up like where that one left off. But uh, um, I would say like, I mean, I know they, I think they pulled their shows, but I think they brought it back. Like Thrilling Adventure Hour is a really nice one to kind of see. Like they have all these different kind of stories and they kind of uh, tie together. But uh, obviously Serial is a good one for true crime. Thrilling Adventure Hour is good for narrative. Um, uh, the if the Welcome to Night Vale podcast network, they have a lot of things like um, Alice Isn't Dead and Between the Wires, I think Within the Wires or Between the Wires. Like they have... Uh, uh, all different shows that have seasons and and the the way they kind of unfold is really interesting, uh, but they're but they're limited. I mean, you, you they have the narrative, and then when the narrative ends, it's it it's over. So, would you say that it's better to have a seasonal podcast, or just to like if it's every Monday at eight, then you just you just do that forever? You know, it depends. Like, I know this is the uh, the cop out answer, but it's true. It depends. It's, uh, you know, an interview one that people want to hear you every single week where if you're telling a story or if it's like a true crime, it might be super um, production heavy where it and intense where it's, you know, breaks are, are needed. Um, but, uh, you know, it, what's interesting is if it's an engaging narrative podcast or even like a true crime podcast, like I get sometimes the same amount of downloads on conversations from the abyss that I do sometimes on, you know, the other podcasts. And I haven't updated conversations from the abyss in a year. So it it depends like, you know, where the engagement is and you don't always know where it's, where it's going to be. So it depends on the shows. I mean, there's, there's shows that are still monetizing that, you know, have stopped, you know, producing content, but because they're getting so many downloads per, you know, month or whatever, the, the shows are still making money. And with dynamic ad insertion, those ads ad, and the revenue can still change because, mm-hmm. you know, the ads are changing, even though they haven't produced new content, the content that they have is still being listened to. It's like, you know, watching reruns on TV. If it's if it's still viable, it's still going to make money. So uh, the answer, again, it depends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it seems like that's a lot with podcasting, though, is it's mm-hmm. like, it's kind of what you want the show to be. I mean, at the end of the yeah. day, because it is, mm-hmm. it's wide open, but that that can be a gift and a curse as well. Yes. So uh, as we as we land this plane here, um, you you being in the podcasting game so long, like, are there are there any like favorite tips or advice that you have for podcasters or aspiring podcasters to maybe help it be a little bit easier? Well, I think we covered it kind of in the beginning because making it easier also means knowing kind of what you want to do. Mm. So uh, don't start a podcast without knowing what you want to do and uh, like figure out, like do some research, listen. And uh, the two things like what do I want to do that's not already being done? And what am I really passionate about? When you kind of find that Venn diagram where, you know, it kind of... uh, 
um, overlaps, then that's a good time to start your podcast. Beautiful. Well, please, Chris, thank you so much for your time. And thank you, everyone that watched this live. Um, we do these every single Wednesday on our YouTube channel. So go subscribe there. And we're going to link to Chris's podcast in the show notes of this as well. Could you please, like, yeah, whatever you need to promote, please let the Hot Breathiverse know. And Hot Breathiverse, please go check out what Chris has going on because it's, it's really inspiring and it's a super creative dude doing a lot of cool things that we can all learn from. Awesome. Well, uh, you know, the one place that they can kind of find everything from the podcast to the um, graphic novels, I have another one coming out uh, soon, and that's was really cool. I actually found an artist through podcasting um, awesome. and, you know, kind of got put together, got into the the comic book world, which has been really fun because I've been a comic book nerd for, you know, since as a mm -hmm. kid. But I have two, um, Long Go and Far Away and Rise of the Kung Fu Dragon Master, which is a kind of a um an action comedy that's like big trouble in little china and long ago and far away is like a fantasy comedy about a uh um a kid Do you remember the narnia books when you were a kid like lion yeah. the witch in the wardrobe yeah so i always thought well these kids go into this fantasy world and they save it from the evil witch but then they come back but then what happens what happens when they're 30 and <laughs> they run a comic book store and he's a jerk and then he has to go back in that world again as an adult so Ooh. That's uh, long ago and far away, and that's actually out now. You get that on Kindle or on the website or wherever. But uh, um, the other one's coming out, and everything can be found at uh, whitecatentertainment.com, so you can read about And there's a store there, too. You could purchase things directly there as well. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, I will be sure to link that in the show notes of this. And, uh, Chris, thank you so much for your time. I'm excited to uh, keep doing more together. Thanks for your help here. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, uh, thanks for having me and uh, we'll get you on. Uh, what are you watching very soon? All right. Watch out for that hot breath of verse. And in the meantime, go subscribe to our YouTube channel and check out Chris's podcast and his graphic novels. And until next Monday, right here on Hot Breath. <sighs>